the um, OTJR seminar for week five. Um, it's a sunny day today, so we're especially grateful that you've managed to come indoors to listen to what I'm sure is going to be a fascinating paper about Sri Lanka from our, our guest speaker today. Um, just to introduce him very briefly, uh, Asango Welikala um, has worked extensively on constitution-making and peace processes, in particular in Sri Lanka and Iraq, and on a variety of other legal reform issues in the Maldives, Nepal, Thailand and Indonesia. This has included work for the Centre for Policy Alternatives, Colombo, and as a member of the Office of Constitutional Support for the United Nations Assistant Mission uh, for Iraq in Baghdad. In addition, he's held various consultancies and also taught as a visiting lecturer at the Faculty of Law in the University of Colombo, the Sri Lanka Army Staff and Command College, and a Centre for International Studies in Colombo. He's a doctoral research candidate at the University of Edinburgh School of Law, and his research topic is Beyond the Legal Par- Liberal Paradigm, National Pluralism and Constitutionalism in Sri Lanka. He's already known by name at least to many OTJR members for, among other things, his contribution to the OTJR Sri Lanka debate with a paper titled Some Constitutional Aspects of Sri Lanka's Post-War Reconciliation Debate, the LLRC Report and the TNA Response. And he's here today to talk to us about the constitutional accommodation of national pluralism in post-war Sri Lanka, the lessons for the present from the pre-colonial past. Asanga, welcome. Thank you very much, <coughs> Elena. Thanks, thanks for that introduction. Th- thanks, uh, everybody, for, for coming as well. Uh, this is uh, far more than we can actually master, usually at Edinburgh, uh, particularly when we have sunny days in, in, in Scotland. <laughs> so thank you very much. Um, uh, I, I, was, I was told that we have about 40 minutes for the, for the, for the talk and then, then uh, some time for questions, and I, I, I hope to finish uh, way before 40, 40 minutes. Um, and then uh, let's, by way of questions, try to explore some of those things if, if, if any of you are particularly interested in any of the aspects that I, that I want to talk about. Um, this is, I have to warn you, uh, uh, an extremely uh, you know, uh, minority view with regard to both the uh, analytical understanding of, 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 the, of the conflict in Sri Lanka uh, as well as the, the, the potential solutions uh, that, are, uh, that are made possible by the, by the way that I uh, understand it. Uh, it is in no sense uh, a representation of what goes on in, in mainstream democratic politics uh, in, in, in Sri Lanka uh, today. Um, so with that little caveat at the, at the very beginning, um, it's, it's also a good day to be talking uh, about Sri Lanka. It's a Republic Day in Sri Lanka. It's 40 years uh, in 1972 on 22nd of May when Sri Lanka became a republic. Um, and that has its own uh, problems. Uh, for many of the ideas um, and the issues that I'm going to talk about, because the 1972 constitution that enacted the, the Sri Lankan Republic 40 years ago uh, was, among many other things, also established entrenched, constitutionally entrenched this idea of the unitary state. Uh, and that has constituted one of the, the biggest barriers insofar as uh, con- the, the, the constitutional debate about dealing with pluralism in Sri Lanka is concerned. Uh, and we will get down to that in a, in, in a bit. Um, but let me just uh, get on straight to, the, to, to, to what I wanted to say. I mean, the, and the, the perspective that I'm coming from in terms of dealing with Sri Lanka, and there are many ways to understand it. And a lot of people uh, uh, would, uh, would, many people, 
many of the moderate mainstream within and outside of Sri Lanka would would readily appreciate that it is a it is a it's a diverse and plural country with lots of communities. There is a singular ethnicity, Buddhist majority, uh, <coughs> and the principal minority, the Tamils, uh, and many others, Muslims, Belgians, and so on. Um, but the particular uh, understanding that I have, and, and the one that I want to give uh, constitutional recognition to, is the notion that uh, Sri Lanka is what you call a plurinational polity. That is to say, it has within it the territory of its existing state within the island uh, two groups who claim to be nations, and those are the singular Buddhist majority nation and the principal minority, the Tamil nation. The Muslims and others also claim certain kinds of constitutional you know, uh, uh, accommodations and protections uh, for, for their identity, uh, but, but they don't do so, generally speaking, uh, in, in the form, the distinct category of, of, of claims that, that, that comes uh, when a group identifies itself as a distinct nation. And so, in, in, in terms of uh, historic, historically contextualized and territorially based uh, articulation of uh, nationhood uh, for the purposes of making constitutional claims, uh, it's only this way, uh, the, 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 the Sinhalese and the, and the Tamils who do so. But in the, in the, in the, in the conventional uh, self-understanding, particularly among constitutional lawyers in, in, in Sri Lanka, uh, this notion that uh, uh, th there is, there is you know, plural nations, national pluralism, uh, is, is not something that, uh, that is readily appreciated. And that, that is particular for, for part of the reason is for is, is, is because lawyers don't have the, the imagination of, of social scientists in order to understand some of these things. Most usually, we have a very British positivist tradition, a great contribution of the Ox Oxford constitutional theorist uh, Albert Van Dyzy to, to Sri Lankan constitutional debates has been, has been this, uh, the, the, the positivist understanding of, of, of the unitary state. Uh, but all, there are also other nationalist ideological reasons why uh, a lot of people in Sri Lanka would uh, discount this notion that, that, that there are uh, uh, plural nations and, and it is seen as a particular kind of subversive uh, position to take. Uh, that if you go down the path of, of recognizing uh, national pluralism, then you're essentially going to end up with the breakup of the state. And this is one of the things that I also want to uh, explore. So the, 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 more, the more common, and particularly this has been, as, as you know, we ended our war uh, about three years ago, and then since then there has been a sort of fairly vigorous debate uh, about what it means to be Sri Lankan, about national identity, about um, you know, the future form of the, the constitutional form of the state, the post for state, and all of that kind of thing. And one of the things that you see is this sort of uh, constant uh, reaffirmation of, of this necessity to, to, to unite and call ourselves Sri Lankan. Uh, and the assumption there is that um, ethnically defined nations are, you know, primordial, um, uh, divisive, uh, and all of that kind of thing. And, and one of the things that I want to say with regard to uh, the Sri Lankan constitutional debate is that, you know, that that's not necessarily the case. Uh, it is perfectly possible to disaggregate the nation from the state and, and, and have to develop constitutional principles by which you can have more than one nation within the state. It has been done elsewhere. And it is possible certainly to do it in Sri Lanka. Uh, um, but just to establish the fact that 
the dominant, the conventional constitutional self-understanding as far as Sri Lanka is concerned is that, yes, we've had problems, but, but essentially the, the odd proposition should be with regard to the construction post-war of this Sri Lankan nation that unites everyone um, and, and transcends ethnicity and religion and culture. Whether that is possible is another question. Uh, one of the things here is also this, uh, from the perspective of constitutional and political theory, I think, and, and, it, and it relates to one of the older, one of the you know, well-known debates in, in nationalism theory uh, about this idea that uh, a, a nation is something that is necessarily tied to the state, and you can have a modern nation only something that exists as a nation-state, nation-state, uh, the, the, the old Jacobin model of uh, liberal, you know, uh, deracinated nationhood that is based on, you know, values of citizenship and individual liberty and so on. And one of the things that I think that in, in, when you're dealing with a, with, a, with a situation like Sri Lanka that one must understand also is this, and that is that although lip service is paid by constitutional lawyers, by politicians, by very well-meaning commentators uh, for this need, the, the whole post-colonial nation-building model of, of, of identity, the fact of the matter is that, you know, after 60 years, if you, if you, if you haven't been able to do that, then, then, then I think it is time to, to rethink whether there are other models that are possible. Because clearly speaking, uh, in a context in which we've been, the oldest democracy in Asia uh, since 1971, uh, uh, procedurally, clearly there are substantive problems with that democracy, otherwise there, there wouldn't have been a 30-year, you know, secessionist conflict. Uh, but 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 in a, in a context in which proceduralism, democratic proceduralism, is fairly vibrant, but in which substantively how mobilisation happens is by reference to ethnicity, then I think it is uh, necessary for constitutional lawyers, particularly, to to, to think in ways in which uh, what has been so far a fairly destructive uh, force uh, in the politics of the country, whether there are possibilities of turning that into a more positive. Dynamic. Now, just to say a, a, a couple of things, a few comments about, about the two two nations. Uh, the majority Sinhala Buddhist nation uh, claims primacy within, I mean, I mean the more extreme versions, uh, exclusive ownership over the island, over the territory, and the state. Uh, and then they, should, they do so not only on majoritarian democratic grounds, that they are a majority, so, 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 so that the, the nature of the state, the identity of the state must have. Uh, 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 you know, uh, a measure of prim their primacy represented in it. Uh, but it is also uh, validated, legitimated, uh, and in democratic and electoral, electoral politics, uh, powerfully mobilized by this reference to this, this very powerful uh, tradition of historiography that the Sinhala Buddhist nation is capable of mobilizing. Uh, it's based on the, 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 the great Wamsa Chronicles. Um, which claims to have 2,500 years of recorded history and, and uh, the Sinhala dominance in the Buddhist state as a Buddhist state in the island. And, and in, the, in that view, of course, correspondingly, the, the, the tunnels are the great historical other. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, so there are democratic grounds on which, simplistically understood, procedurally understood, democratic grounds on which they, they, they claim this primacy. At the, at the same time as, as more substantively, they they marshal this uh, historiographical tradition uh, in support of the of, of the point um, that the, the the identity, the statal identity of the island, is necessarily something that must be Sinhala and Buddhist, uh, and others can be there, but 
distinctly second class. Um, and one of the things that happened in the in the in the constitutional constituent assembly process that established the republic in 1970 to 72, and, and, and when the constitution was established, first republican constitution was established 40 years ago today, was that um, almost entirely the, the constitutional worldview of Sinhala Buddhist nationalism became the identity of the state constitutionally entrenched. So there are three main points, and there are many others, but there are three main arguments in this. Uh, a privileged status for, for Sinhala as the official language, something called the foremost place for Buddhism uh, and the duty of the state to foster and protect it. And uh, from a constitutional theory perspective, the most important point, an extremely excessively centralized unitary state. And the, the unitary state question, of course, has, is not only because of the, the, the excessive structural centralization that, that, that it involves, uh, which, which is problematic not merely for, for, for the accommodation of pluralism, but also for democrat democratic government and constitutional government, uh, tending to privilege executive convenience and so on. Uh, but but, but, but the symbolic, at the symbolic level, what was very important and what was registered this day 40 years ago was, was this. And it was at this point of time that the Tamils in the North and East, or territorially based in the North and East, the majority, are claiming a, a, a certain uh, areas of historical habitation, Tamil people, as of that, that point, uh, they had been asking for federal autonomy within a united state. And for, uh, you know, not only was, the, was any kind of accommodation of this desire for regional autonomy just absolutely rejected when, when, when the Republican Constitution came into force, but also it, it symbolically rubbed their noses in the ground by, by expressly calling the, 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 the Republic unitary. Okay. Uh, so, 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 so that's the that's the the general politics. The, the insofar as constitutional form of the republic is concerned with regard to Sinhala Buddhist nationalism, we'll come to that in much more detail in a bit. In a bit. But just to uh, give a couple of comments on on, on, on the minority, the sub-state challenge, nationalist challenge, which is coming from the, the Tamil community. Now. Uh, the, the, the Tamils also claim ancient provenance in the island, um, and um, the, the, the northeast has been demographically some, there has been a, a Tamil majority area, Tamil speaking area, um, and there is evidence that for about three or four hundred years, uh, ending finally in 1621, uh, there was a, a Tamil kingdom in the, in the Jaffna Peninsula up in the north. And then other areas in the, in the northern province, what is the present northern province and the eastern province, were Tamil-speaking areas, which, which had a very, very interesting uh, uh, history of, 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 of de facto autonomy from, from, the, from the singular kings. Uh, and, and that's something that we should, I think, <coughs> explore in some detail in a bit. But what began post-independence from Britain in 1948 as, as a demand for uh, parity of language status, you know, as to two official languages, Sinhalese, you know, um, and, and then essentially the, the federal demand, the, 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 the demand for autonomy under the federal constitution completely rejected. Um, and in the 1970s, the, that rejection actually contributed quite directly uh, for Tamil nationalism to become overtly separatist and militant. So, so, so what you saw with the establishment of the republic and, and, and the republic's 
symbolic as well as real uh, repudiation of, of Tamil claims to, to constitutional recognition in the, in the constitution uh, was that you uh, uh, that the Tamil parliamentary parties committed to the rule of law and, and, and parliamentary politics and, and non-violence and so on was superseded by a new generation of younger militant revolutionary um, and later even terrorist uh, organizations um, which were which which then began the period of, of uh, sessionist armed conflict in Sri Lanka which then ended uh, in dramatic fashion in May 2009 in, amidst allegations of massive violation, violations of humanitarian and, and, and human rights law um, a completely sort of you know pre 19th century style of dealing with problems like this uh, in, 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 a, in, a, in a situation in which there's absolutely no regard whatsoever to, to the international rule of law with regard to the, uh, the, the, the rules of armed conflict. And many, many thousands of civilians died. Not in one, in, in any sense here, trying to say that the LTT were saints, obviously not, we all know, and, uh, but there's no need to get into a sterile debate about the terrorism of the LTT and all the rest of it. We are talking about a state at the end of the day which has high standards of conduct. Anyway, now, what has happened to Tamil nationalism after May 2009, after the, the LTT was defeated, all their leaders killed and so on, is, is, a, is a bit of an issue. If you, if, you, if you take a look at my paper in, that I've written for the working paper series and so on, which, which deals with the TNA's response um, to the report of the Lessons Learned and Reconciliation Commission, which is the government-appointed body that came out with recommendations for, for post-war reconciliation. One of the things that I'm certainly beginning to see is at the constitutional level at least there is, and perhaps it's understandable because it has been a fairly severe shock uh, to the Tamil polity, what has happened. Um, and uh, uh, there is an element of confusion about what they actually want and what they want to, uh, where they want to take the, the constitutional claims in, in post-war Sri Lanka. Do they, do they, do they recognize that, that there has been a major political change of facts by the defeat of the LTT and therefore they should cut their losses and, and get what they can? Um, or do they maintain a position that says, well, fine, LTT was defeated militarily, but, but, but the fact of the matter remains that the substantive constitutional claims remain the same, i.e., the Tamils are a nation, they have a historic homeland in the, in the north and east, and on, 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 on the basis of, of those two principles, uh, that they are entitled to self-determination, uh, and how do we negotiate that claim constitutionally? So those are the two sort of tensions that, that seem to be there in Tamil politics, Tamil nationalist politics so far, and, and it's not clear at this point in time uh, where that is going. But it is important, I think, to, 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 uh, to uh, reiterate one thing, uh, which is that 2000 and May 2009 was in these horribly traumatic situation, conditions that the war was fought to, uh, to an end. Uh, in, in April 2010, um, just under one year afterwards, there was a general election in Sri Lanka, and all of the part, the, 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 the northeast participated in it. Of course, there were various problems because a large amount of people were in refugee camps and so on. But however, what is important to remember is that the, the, the Tamil National Alliance, which is the main umbrella uh, alliance of, of Tamil political parties, uh, which together hold the vast majority of parliamentary seats, actually won all of their seats. Uh, and on a manifesto that reaffirmed nationhood 
reaffirmed the territorial homeland and reaffirmed the claim to self-determination. Okay, so, so, so quite apart from what happened on the battlefield, uh, electorally, since 1956, from the general election of 1956, in successive elections, the Tamil people in the North and East had voted for parties who had affirmed these three principles. And that's very important to remember. So that's like by way of very, very general introduction to the, to, the, to the condition of national pluralism insofar as it plays out in a constitutional debates in Sri Lanka. Now, I just want to focus on one dimension of this because this is obviously a, a, a vast subject that we're not going to be able to tackle everything on. But the, the, the focus of the, of the talk today is, is on the question uh, of how the unitary state as a constitutional concept Insofar as the Sinhalese are concerned, how, why it create, why, why it is there as, as a major, uh, you know, concept that 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 has called the popular imagination, and that you seem just unable to shift, because particularly when you talk about its definitional opposite, federalism, you generally find the Sinhalese rejecting. Uh, so 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 this whole commitment and and this this validity. Uh, of the unitary state in the in the politics of Sinhala nationalism in the southern. Uh, parts of the island has constituted a, 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 a major stumbling block and, range, and limited the range of, of constitutional problems, that, uh, solutions that are, you know, divisible for, for our problem uh, um, for, for very many years. And as I said at the very beginning, it is the, 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 it's not only the, the democratic argument, but it's also the historiographical arguments that single nationalists use in support of both centralization as well as the, the, the defense of the, of the modern unitary state. The argument being that it has always been thus. We have 2,500 years of history on this island and it has always been a unitary state under you know, a Sinhalese and Buddhist king. Um, so this historical art that, that played very well in, 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 in the populist political culture that we have in Sri Lanka. But then Taking a look at this, though, and this is this is where it becomes a little bit more problematic, is that when we take a more dispassionate look at the at the state forms, the the monarchical state forms that were there in the island before the uh, the whole island became uh, went under uh, a colonial rule in 1815, uh, we've we've had experience with uh, the, the Portuguese, Dutch, and and the British uh, from 1505 onwards, but the whole island uh, did not go under uh, a, a colonial rule until 1815. Um, <clears throat> and so the, the, the singular monarchy in one form or the other actually existed until 1815 when finally the, the, the British were able to, to subjugate the, uh, the kingdom of Kandy. But when we take a look at this, the, this state form, and there is a great amount of consistency and, 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 and logic to it actually in the way that it has evolved, but it's a, it's a, it's a classical Um, South and Southeast Asian, if any of you are familiar with, with, with historical state forms in Southeast Asia, particularly the, the idea of the galactic polity, the, the, the notion of the Mandala state, uh, would be very, very familiar. Uh, and, and it's the, the, the classic state form of the, of the, of the Indic world, uh, both Buddhist as well as Theravada Buddhist, particularly the, um, the Mauryan Empire and, and so on, uh, but also in, in Hindu kingdoms in, in, in southern India. 
and in and in Jaffna in in, in, in the island of Sri Lanka. Um, and this and, and and the argument that I want to uh, uh, present was that is that uh, the Mandala state or the galactic polity uh, it can in no way be equated with the modern bureaucratized territorially centralized unitary state. It is, it, it is a model of state that is extremely diffuse and devolutionary. Um, and and, and it, it, it seems to me to be the case that Sinhala nationalist arguments uh, uh, in, 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 in purporting uh, historical support for the notion that the modern state must be unitary uh, are not very valid. If you take a look at the way that uh, the, the old Sinhala monarchy uh, function. I just need a, a couple of words about, about that. Now, there is absolutely no doubt that, that the Sinhala monarchy was, by definition, a Buddhist monarchy. It's, a, it's, it's, it's categorically a Theravada Buddhist polity. And it, uh, it, it, the, 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 the state form achieved its coherence not by modern reference, obviously, of, of an idea like nationalism, which was simply not there, or by territorial arguments. It, 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 it did so through, the, it achieved coherence through the, the sort of political moral, uh, political religious, re religious principles of Buddhism, uh, which encompassed, the idea of encompassment is, is, is very important to, to Theravada polities organized in, in Mandala writings. Um, and hierarchical. Okay, so 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 the so, so the, the various discourses of the Buddha uh, uh, sets out how the Buddhist cosmos is designed uh, uh, in relation to to the, the, the space the, the the place of the Buddha and the various gods uh, and descending down to the to the wandering ghosts and demons and and, and the, this is exactly this cosmological model that that, that that was transplanted into the into the state form and the way that territory was organized in in, in mandala type states manda and la it, 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 it's a tibetan word comes from manda being a core and a la a container uh, and it's uh, and it's ubiquitous in in, in the culture uh, from sort of textile design to to, to the way that uh, approaches were made to to, to the corporeal environment of, of how the synecdoche was uh, designed, uh, and the basic idea is that you have a center uh, uh, of the of the universe of the galaxy and galactic constellations all around it, and then that uh, replicates itself uh, in a, in an increasing uh, sort of. Uh, in concentric circles, in an increasing uh, uh, measure of autonomy, as you go further and further away, right from center. Um, and and in addition to Buddhism, the other idea on which the the coherence of this uh, galactic polity relied on was the idea called tri tributary overlordship. And that's the that's the idea. Once again, very familiar to, to scholars of Southeast Asia, and I'm quite surprised as to why it has not been. Um, uh, you know, uh, explored further in Sri Lanka so far, all those historians and sociologists and anthropologists have done, certainly not constitutional theorists. Uh, and this is the basic basic principle of, of territory not being the determinant of, of control, right? Uh, but it is the idea of tribute. So, so, so if you if, if a, a, a chieftain in the periphery is willing to occasionally uh, pay homage and tribute 
and 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 and, and in, in in obsequious words uh, uh, recognize the overlordship of, of someone somewhere else, uh, a Chakravartik king somewhere else. Then that's fine, uh, and then you just carry on um, uh, pretty much as you want uh, after that. So, so, so the, the whole idea of this is that it's, it's so devolutionary and diffuse. Uh, it just does not make sense to understand it in terms of the way that uh, one approaches the, uh, the idea of centralization and territory under the modern unitary state. And, and, and that's the point that I just wanted to make. So, the dynamism of this of this model uh, so allowed. Uh, uh, a, a very extensive spatial uh, autonomy at the periphery as a, as a, as a quotidian, as, as a very, very ordinary day-to-day -day reality uh, uh, with none of the kind of conceptual problems that you associate with devolution uh, uh, under a unitary state. So singular kings could uh, consistently claim overlordship over the, over the island, not only that, sometimes they would claim overlordship over the world and the universe. Um, and, 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 and continue that, uh, that fiction. Um, <coughs> whereas Tamil, Tamil speaking chieftains, uh, particularly in the geographically distant areas of the, the, the north and the east, um, which administered a Tamil speaking population and were chieftains of Tamil speaking people, um, you know, on a day to day basis, just functioned uh, in an extraordinary level of, of, of autonomy, and, and, that, and that's, that's, that's how it was. And even when there was a, a rival power center in Jaffna in, in the 300 or so years, uh, the Jaffna kingdom also operated with regard to the, the, the northern Vanni chieftains in, in much the same way. So, what you have is a, is a, is a situation in which the, in the constitutional history of the island, a uh, diffused state model uh, that merely uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, talks about its, its coherence in, ter in terms of, of, of occasional tribute paid by the periphery, and as long as you do that, you're free to function as you please. Not, not, of course, it didn't function you know, perfectly all the time. It's, it's a history replete with, with, with conflict and all the rest of it. Um, but generally, what you, what you see is the, the, this as a pattern of, of, of pre-colonial state form. Uh, and, and the argument that I said at the beginning, which I would like to reiterate again, is that it just simply does not uh, uh, adapt to, to, to being a, a pre-colonial unitary state at all. Uh, and, and that's, and that's, a, that's an important point. So if this Mandala state constitutes the kind of dominant uh, model of polity in, 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 in pre-colonial Sri Lanka, the question that arises is what is the, the potential for its use in providing new ways of coping with the, 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 the issues of national pluralism in the democratic age. And obviously these were uh, pre-democratic, pre-modern, uh, almost feudal, uh, there is a dispute as to whether that's an appropriate appellation in, in, in the Asian context, the word feudal, that's a historical, theoretical debate. Um, <coughs> obviously these only suggest to us Certain ways, they they cannot be, uh, you know, uh, brought back into in, in, into 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 the present as as a viable constitutional form, and it's just like including national polities in the West, in in in, in, in the UK, in Spain, in in, in Canada, uh, Scottish nationalists, for example, Tory nationalists, for example, um, would go uh, and look for the British Constitution 
uh, after union as it existed before Dicey's great theorization of the unitary state in the late 19th century uh, which and there from there they, you know you, you have that new view of the, the UK constitution emerging as a not a unitary state but a union state so that's just one example of the way that you know older ideas can sometimes uh, provide new ways right of thinking about constitutional accommodation in the present in the context of these multiple competing claims by uh, by multiple nationalisms within the within the state the unitary state does simply does not have the conceptual way of it all to deal with more than one nation in the state and therefore it is it is necessarily a very limited uh, constitutional model um, and if you can uh, get rid of that uh, and then use historiographical arguments to, to uh, history frankly to, to, to just discover, rediscover some of the older ways that, that, that these things with pluralism was dealt with then maybe uh, it suggests ways of dealing with the present. So I would just want to end on, 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 on four basic points uh, without being prescriptive at all um, because the, the, the prescriptive stage has has to come and that's another discussion on its on its own in terms of what can you what are in, in, in the democratic modern age what are the kind of constitutional principles that one can develop on the basis of, of the Mandela logic but four points basically in terms of using um, uh, looking at this the, the, the Mandela state firstly is the, the instrumental one uh, it shows that the contemporary Sinhala Buddhist nationalist claims with regard to the historical authenticity of the unitary state are an absolute fallacy. Right. Uh, it, is, it is what it is. It, it is a 19th century um, English law, not British, in, uh, a concept of English law uh, that, 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 was, that was brought into the constitutional tradition of Sri Lanka through the colonial circumstance, uh, which then, uh, of course, Sinhala nationalists appropriated with great alacrity. Uh, and, and I put it in, 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 in the Constitution. Um, so, so that's what it is. That's where it came from. Uh, and and, and the, the Sinhala Buddhists are nationalists are wedded to it because of the, 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 the kind of advantages that, that it brings to them. The advantages of zero-sum decision-making, uh, lack of power-sharing, uh, and centralization. Um, there is absolutely no inherent kind of... Uh, indigenous authenticity to the idea of unitary state contrary to the, the dominant uh, and widely accepted uh, notion that the unitary state is actually the, the default constitutional form of, of, of the island. That's the first point. Secondly, um, I think looking at the Mandela logic and the way that the, you know, the state forms have functioned uh, for hundreds of years before 1815, uh, I think it's important to, to, for us to reiterate and demonstrate that there is a traditional model of pluralism that exists, that, that is probably more useful to us than trying to build a modernist nation-state in Sri Lanka, called Sri Lanka, Sri Lankan and Sri Lanka. Um, it seems to be the case that, 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 that Sri Lankans, are, are their primary referent are, are, are ethnic grounds of, of collective identity, and why, why not? Um, you know, um, the, the, the modernist paradigm, which is something that, that, that worked after the French Revolution and all the rest of it, well, after a, a certain period of very specific political developments in Europe, and it worked for European societies because it was, uh, because it, it led up through a, a, a historically grounded process. Uh, that hasn't happened uh, for us, uh, and I don't think we should be forcing that. 
then that kind of critical approach to the nations, the, the, the conventional Westphalian modernist, functionalist, nation-state model of, of nation and nationalism and, and state form. Uh, you know, that critical approach to it allows us to, to disaggregate the nation from the state, a very important political proposition. And that plurinational constitutionalism in, in, in Canada, Scotland, in, in Catalonia, Scotland, and Quebec, very, very developed debate on that. Uh, that, 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 that there is no real necessity for, for this compound concept called the, the nation state. Uh, the nation can be separate from the state, and there can be more than one nation within the state. There's no problem. So, once you do that disaggregation, what happens is that it expands the constitutional possibilities. Uh, for the recognition of more than one nation within the state. And by enabling uh, the fullest possible recognition, representation and autonomy for the Tamil nation within, within Sri Lanka, I think we obviate the need for a separate state uh, in order to give institutional expression to, to ta Tamil nationalist aspirations for self-government. Uh, so that's the third use in looking at this. And fourthly, um, this is just a repetition of all, much of what I've said. I mean, the rearticulation of the theoretical foundations of the state more consistent with the historical ethos of the, of the island, as well as its contemporary sociopolitical reality of national pluralism, I think, uh, enables uh, a, a completely fresh uh, way of, of developing um, the, the, the constitutional principles that are necessary. Uh, in, in, in building uh, Sri Lanka's constitutional future uh, in such a way that, that hopefully guarantees the unity of the state, um, but certainly guarantees the, the, the plurality of no, uh, nations that are, that are, that are there. And I, and, I, and I feel that if you can build the loyalty to the state of the constituent peoples and nations of the country on a basis of persuasion and generosity, uh, and a fluorescence of Sri Lankanness subsequently will inevitably follow, uh, and, and, and that's the kind of thing that we must trust the process to do. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you.